Holly mentioned, they're coming in just a few weeks. If you've not signed up, I encourage you to do that now, honestly. Uh, we're going to be ordering all the materials tomorrow. We'll still have a few weeks to sign up, but we need a decent idea of the number of people to expect. There's a $20 charge uh, for, per person, and it's really designed for third grade and up. But you can bring your younger kids in here if you feel like they're going to be able to sit through it. And if the financial piece of that, no pun intended, is a challenge for you, just let us know. We want to make sure that you get here. Our mission is to make disciples who go to the missing, love the marginalized, and live as God's kids. And we never want finances to hinder you becoming a better disciple of Jesus. So I can't say enough about it. I'm certainly excited. I've got to experience just a small piece of what they're going to do. Uh, They'll be here on that Sunday. They're going to teach that Sunday, so you're going to get a piece of it whether you sign up or not. My hunch is if you are here that Sunday morning and you haven't signed up for the afternoon session, you're going to want to after you see them and experience what they're going to be able to teach us to give us a better understanding of the Old Testament, which we're going to spend a lot of time in our reading plan. So before we jump into this week's message and the new series for the year, uh, I'm going to pray and I'd ask your prayers for me. My my family's kind of going through it right now. My wife is uh, sick. My daughter's sick. My other daughter woke up feeling sick. I have a cough, so uh, they have the stomach bug, so it's inevitable that I'm going to get this stomach bug, so just pray that it doesn't happen while I'm speaking this morning, because <laughs> then I think everybody will have a mess to clean up in here, so let me pray. God, just come right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, for protection of all of us from sickness, uh, specifically right now my family, that they would heal, that they wouldn't have this stomach bug anymore, God, for your protection on me, uh, God, that I wouldn't get whatever they have. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Andy. I'm one of the pastors here. If this is your first time joining us here at Blue Ash, we're so glad you're here. Welcome to 2023. For some of you, I haven't seen you since last year. And that's the best I'm going to have. So uh, we're going to continue our reading plan just like we have the last several years. Last year, we read through the entire New Testament. This year, we're going to challenge everybody to read through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And actually, you'll read through the Psalms more than twice. So if you haven't picked up one of these journals, I know Ali mentioned it, I'm going to encourage you to get out of your chairs, you're not going to be a distraction to me, grab one in the back, Uh, this will be useful as you'll be able to take notes this morning on this morning's message. Typically how this works, Sunday starts the reading plan. What you're going to notice this morning is I'm going to teach from something you've already read. So we're a little behind the Uh, our traditional way we've done this, but don't worry, we're going to catch up with the walk through the Bible Sunday and those types of things. We'll be right back to our normal in just a few weeks where the Sunday will start your week's reading plan. All that to say, make sure that you're following along in the reading plan. All that's in the journal. And give yourself grace. If you've ever tried to read through the entire Bible in a year, it's a lot of reading. So if you get a couple days behind, you may be tempted to go, I need to start way back there and catch up. Just start where that day is. Start on that day's reading. If you have extra time, you're certainly welcome to go back, but give yourself grace to start on that day's reading and just pick up uh, right there. So a fresh start is our first series of the year, and a fresh start, when you think about it, it's exciting. It provides hope. Oftentimes, a fresh start gives us motivation to do things we haven't done in the past or couldn't do before. It can be an inspiration But a fresh start can also mean something's happened that wasn't intended. We didn't want it to happen. And now we need to kind of start over. We need to have a fresh start. And this is true in Scripture. You'll see this over and over in the Bible. In the beginning, there was Adam and Eve, and then they sinned, right? And then they sinned in the garden. Everything that was once good is now tainted. 
Then we read in just six chapters into Genesis how wicked and lost humanity is. Just six chapters into the Bible. Listen to how it's captured. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe the human race that I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, all the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry I ever made them. And then it says, but Noah found favor with the Lord. So things are not going well just six chapters in. God has seen, he's observed the extent of how wicked and lost the human race is. And everything that humanity thought, everything that they imagined, was consistently and totally evil. But there is hope because Noah, Noah found favor with God, it said. And the rest of chapter 6 just tells us the, the story of Noah and his family and then the instructions that God gives Noah to build this big boat called the ark. Noah does everything exactly as God commanded, and he builds this enormous boat. Then God commands Noah to get into the boat with his family, to bring on board, to load up all these animals that God provides and sends to, for Noah to put on the boat. Then for the very first time in human history, rain begins to fall from the sky, so much so that it floods the earth. Then we see two of my favorite words in Scripture when he's talking about all this wickedness. It said, but God. I love that. Things aren't going well, but God. It said, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock with him in the boat. He sent a wind to blow across the earth, and the floodwaters began to recede. But God remembered Noah. And this is where the story begins to take a turn. God sends a wind to blow across the earth, and the floodwaters begin to recede, it said. The Hebrew word for wind here is ruah. It's the exact same word that is used in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, when we read spirit. I'll read it for us. It says, the earth was formless and empty, the darkness covered the deep waters, and the ruah, the Spirit of God, was hovering over the surface of the water. One Hebrew word, multiple meanings. You'll see this over and over and over in Scripture, wind or spirit. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it was spirit, the ruah, that hovers over the, the waters. We see the divine ruah encounter the waters in two different ways, twice. First, restraining the water, then in Genesis 8, chapter 1, it evaporates the water. The sun isn't even mentioned here because it isn't the main character of the story. It's God's ruah. Then Noah releases a raven. You'll read this in the reading plan. And a dove from the ark. And as the waters begin to recede, Noah's trying to figure out what the water's doing. How much has it receded? It says, Noah opened the window he had made in the boat and released a raven. The bird flew back and forth until the floodwaters of the earth had dried up. He also released a dove to see if the waters had receded and it could find dry ground. But the dove could find no place to land because the water still covered the ground. So it returned to the boat 
and Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back inside. The raven doesn't return because it's a carrier eater. It can, it can feed on the animal corpses that are on the mountaintops, so it doesn't come back to the boat. Now, a dove, by contrast, is a valley bird. It feeds off of the, the lower areas for food, which would be the last things to dry out. This is why the dove returns to the boat. So Noah waits seven days, Scripture says, and he sends the dove back out. It says, after waiting another seven days, Noah released the dove again. This time the dove returned to him in the evening with a fresh olive leaf in its beak. Then Noah knew that the floodwaters were almost gone. He waited another seven days and released the dove again. This time it did not come back. However, Noah waited. He knows that the floodwaters had receded. He waited for God to give him instructions on what to do next. He didn't just, like, let's try to find a place to park the boat. He waits till God says, get off the boat. This is how Genesis 8 captures the moment. Then God said to Noah, leave the boat. All of you, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, release all the animals, the birds, the livestock, the small animals that scurry along the ground so that they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. So Noah, his wife, and his sons and their wives left the boat. Noah's back on dry ground. Once again, God has separated the water from the land just like he did in the original creation story. The first thing that Noah does is he builds an altar for the Lord. And he offers a sacrifice to God. And the scripture tells us that the aroma was pleasing to God. Then God makes a promise. But let's read all of this for ourselves. It says, Then Noah built an altar for the Lord, and there he sacrificed as burnt offerings the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race, even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood. I will never again destroy all living things. As long as the the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat. I wish you wouldn't have said the cold part. Cold and heat, summer and winter, day and and night. But that was just the beginning of this promise God had. But I don't want to get ahead of myself, so we're going to head back to Scripture and listen to how God continues to paint this picture. It said, Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. All the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground, and all the fish in the sea will look on you with fear and terror I have placed them under your power. I have given them to you for food, just as I've given you grain and vegetables, but you must never eat any meat that still has lifeblood in it. Does any of this language sound familiar? Be fruitful and multiply. It's the exact thing that God told Adam and Eve in the garden. Be fruitful and multiply. It also said that all the animals are placed under their power just like in the original creation story. As a matter of fact, you can see the creation story being retold through chapters 8 and 9 of Genesis. Noah is the second Adam. But Noah is in a completely different world than Adam was. We are seeing a fresh start. 
God has started over. He has used the floodwaters to cleanse the earth. Much in the same way, when we are baptized, it's a symbol of cleansing our life. We go in, you know, dirty, and, and we come out a brand new creation, cleansed through the water of baptism, through the Spirit of God. We come out of the baptisms, a new creation in Christ. Then God gives Noah a few instructions. Here's some things to do. He says, And I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. If a wild animal kills a person, it must die. And anyone who murders a fellow human must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. Now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. Here we're seeing the importance God's putting on life. And as hard as it may be to understand, God is saying life is sacred. And man should not destroy it because they are, we are made in the image of God. Then we see that God remind, uh, reminds Noah and his family again to be fruitful and multiply, to repopulate the earth. And we see this shift what God promises to do now. Or should I say, not to do. It says, Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants. And with all the animals that are on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, the wild animals, every living creature on earth, yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will flood destroy the earth. God is being very repetitive here because I think he knows we're a little slow to learn. He repeats it over and over, the same thing in just different ways, right? Twice he uses the word covenant in this, these passages we've read. God is extending a covenant to Noah so that he would understand how precious life is to him. In essence, this covenant was established to ensure stability of nature. It helped guarantee the order of the world. People would learn that human law was now necessary to, for the stability of life so that the wickedness wouldn't go unchecked as it had before. But God doesn't stop there with the covenant. He doesn't just say he promises like that will never happen again. He continues to say this in different ways. He said, then God said, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you and all the living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is a sign of my covenant with you and with all of the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then Noah said, yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures of the earth. Again, more repetitiveness. Like, yeah, we've got this. The only thing you really added here is a rainbow, right? You're saying it over and over. Covenant here is now mentioned five times. Most theologians call this the Noahic covenant. Though God spoke especially and specifically to Noah and his sons, this covenant includes all of creations, all of Noah's descendants, that's said in verse 9, all generations to come, that's you and that's me, the covenant doesn't stop there, however. It includes every living creature, all the living creatures of every kind, birds, humans, wild animals. It encompasses everything. 
In this covenant, God promises unconditionally that he will never send another flood to destroy all the earth. To make the point clear, three times he says, never again, never again, never again, never again. God didn't lay down any conditions either that we had to do. Like there weren't things, if you do these things, then I'll do these things. He simply stated the fact that he would never flood the earth and kill all creation. From that day on, Noah and his family could enjoy life and not ever worry about every time it rained. This is something I think we miss when we read scripture. We, we have storms all the time, right? It had never rained, and then it rained. And when it started for the very first time, it seemed like it was never going to stop. It flooded the entire earth. How terrified might you be if that's your only experience with rain, if you saw a rain cloud or the thunder again and the raindrops start to fall, right? God was telling them, you don't have to fear that. The flood will never, the rain will never flood the earth like that again. At least four times in this covenant, the Lord mentions every living creature. He was speaking about the animals and the birds that Noah kept safe on the ark during the flood. Never again do you have to worry about this. Once again, we're reminded of God's special concern for all life. To help people remember his covenant, God would give them this visible sign that most of us know. His covenant with Abraham was sealed with the sign of circumcision. The Mosaic covenant in Sinai with the sign of a weekly Sabbath. That was that sign. God's covenant with Noah and the animal creation was sealed with the sign of of a rainbow. Have you ever thought about that first rainbow? The first rainbow ever. How awe-inspiring might that rainbow have been? I wonder how long you would have looked at that rainbow, right? They didn't have cell phones to take a picture, like, I'll remember this and show my kids. Like, they just had this mental picture of the very first rainbow. And they're like, that's God's promise that he's never going to flood the earth. God's promise that no future storm would ever become a worldwide flood that would destroy all of humanity. There's this uh, story, I don't know if you've ever heard this story before, of Mark Twain and a friend of his who stepped out of church and there was this violent rainstorm that started. Mark Twain's friend said, I wonder if it'll ever stop. Mark Twain said, it always has. And it's, he's right, it always has. Why? Because God promised that it would. It was his covenant. He said it would never flood the earth. Rainbows reminds us of God's gracious covenant and his many-colored grace, right? I mean, think about that for a minute. If the rainbow reminds us of God's faithfulness and grace, why do we find ourselves often anxious or worried when life's storms come? God hasn't promised that we'll never experience storms. He didn't say that. But he has promises that the storms will not destroy us. When we pass through the waters, God will be with us. And through the rivers, they shall never overflow us, Isaiah 43, 2 says. When the clouds appear and the sun is hidden, we have nothing to fear. The rainbow is the covenant reminder. This specific kind of covenant would typically be between two parties, one very powerful party 
and one much weaker party. The weaker party would seek protection from the stronger party. They would seek to make a treaty, a covenant with the stronger party. They'd make this agreement. Uh, we'll do these things for you as long as you provide protection. The stronger party would figure out what those things might be, the things that they found valuable, whether it was you know, acts, goods, whoever, whatever they needed, and they would come to an agreement. The stronger party say, hey, weaker party, as long as you continue to do these things, we'll provide protection for you. If the weaker party didn't fulfill their obligation, the stronger party would simply kill the weaker party. That's the covenant that has been made here. And the rainbow is a signal of this kind of covenant. But have you ever thought about a rainbow? By the way, there isn't a Hebrew word for rainbow. The Hebrew word for rainbow here is simply bow. A bow is an instrument of war. But God has transformed it into a picture of his grace and faithfulness. Now it's a sign. It's a guarantee of peace. God could certainly take the bow and use it upon judgment on us, right? Because we've broken his law. We really deserve judgment. But look at this picture of a rainbow. Which way is the bow pointing? Not pointed towards us. The bow is pointed toward heaven. Not toward earth and creation. Instead, the bow is pointed to heaven, to God himself. God, in his covenant, has turned the bow toward heaven and taken the punishment for himself. God is the stronger party, right? But he's flipped the covenant. In God's covenant, to never flood the earth again, he is saying, if I go back on my word... I'll be killed. If I go back on my word, God's saying, I'll be the one that dies. And there's nothing the weaker party, nothing humanity has to do except accept the covenant. That's the only thing. Just accept it. This is what Jesus does for us as well. When Jesus died on the cross as the just one, the only just one that ever lived, he suffered for the unjust. Jesus was the one bearing all the suffering that rightfully belongs to all of us. Rainbows are universal. You see them all over the world. God's many-colored grace is sufficient for the entire world. This is the great news of our God. This is what is different, different makes Jesus different from all the other gods. He takes the pain. He takes the punishment for us. He doesn't demand things from us. This is what's needed to be announced to the entire world. For God so loved the world, John 3.16. And Christ died for the sins of the world, 1 John chapter 4. But the rainbow isn't only for us to see. Remember what it said in there. God said, when I see the rainbow in the clouds... Certainly God doesn't forget his covenant with his people. But this is just another way of assuring us that we don't need to be afraid. We don't have to live life in fear. 
when we look at the rainbow, we know that the Father in heaven, the creator of everything, is also looking at that same rainbow. It's a bridge that brings us closer together. It's our reminder of what Jesus did for us in the new covenant. Noah was the second Adam, but Jesus is the final Adam, doing what none of the previous Adams could do, fulfilling the calling that Adam in the garden couldn't do, living the perfect life. This is the kind of God that we love and get to serve. Jesus took all the punishment for all of our sin. We broke the covenant. We couldn't live up to the standards. We couldn't accept the terms, but Jesus did. And instead of punishing us, he took the punishment. I mean, if we could really let that sink into our lives, even me at a deeper meaning, I think that would give us tremendous hope. It would give us a fresh outlook, a fresh start on life, that every day is a new day. I read this, uh, literally, it was last week, um, when something like this, somebody said, hey, are you having a good day today? And he said, yeah, I've never had this day before. Like, oh, that's a great outlook. I'd love to have that. Yeah, I've never had this day before. Listen to how it's, it's captured and scriptured. The faithfulness, the faithfulness love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. How often? Each morning, every day. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. I mean, how great is our God that he provides for us each and every day, every morning, new mercies all over again. He cleanses us with his spirit, with his ruah. The same spirit that hovered over the waters, the same spirit that dried up the waters lives in us. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that's the spirit that offers these New mercies every day. And he lives in each and every one of us that call Jesus Lord and Savior. It's that spirit that has that kind of power to do all these things that we read in Genesis. Imagine, imagine what he can do in and through each and every one of us if we truly accept, if we truly believe that he could. We talked about this like the last Sunday of the year that we met, just the things that God was doing in, in Jamie's life. And if you missed the message, go back and listen to it. That's the power of God. Not just for the pastor, not just for the churched people, not just for the leaders. If you say yes to Jesus, God wants to do immeasurably more in and through you than you can ever imagine. We have to walk in it. We have to believe in it. And where we lack the faith, we say, God, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. And that's where he meets us, right where we are. But he loves us enough not to leave us there. Grab your Connect cards that Ali mentioned. I'm going to offer you a few next steps to take. We truly believe that by simply filling out this Connect card, this little piece of paper, that you're saying you're opening yourself up to God challenging you to take a next step. So we offer next steps each and every week. 
You may have one that we not, may not list, but go ahead and write that down. Drop it in the offering when it goes by. Statistically, just by writing it down, you're up to 60% more likely to even do it. This is why we do these things. I look at these. I pray over them. If you'd like me to follow up with something, write it on your Connect card. I see all of them each and every week. I'd be happy to do that. The first next step is this. Accept Jesus for the first time. What a great way to start the year. This is the day. This is the morning that you say yes to Jesus. It's really easy. We just say, yes, Jesus, I love you. I acknowledge that you're the creator of everything, that you created me for a reason, that I'm not a mistake. Nobody is. Let me say, God, I'm sorry for living life with my own terms, my own ways. I want to turn from that. That's what repentance is. I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to, I want to turn to your ways. And the beauty is God's spirit becomes active and alive in us, and he begins to change us. As we read scripture, it reads us differently. When we pray, we pray differently. I'm sure you've been following the news. What happened this past Monday night? Horrific freak accident of this young man. I don't know about you, but I thought that was it. Like, I was going to wake up the next morning and hear the tragic news that this young man had lost his life on a football field. But God, to see the outpouring of love and support and the prayer. Watch the football games last night. Like, what will this be like? And to see two NFL teams come together and pray pretty unprecedented, right? On national TV, ESPN anchors are praying on live TV. Glory to God, right? Does God need that? No. Will God use it? Absolutely. When we say yes to Jesus, our life becomes new. It's fresh. It's a fresh start. And if you've made that decision today, mark that on your Connect card, drop in the offering. We want to follow up with you. Make sure you grab a Bible or whatever resources you need. See me afterwards. Let's get a cup of coffee. Sign up for baptisms. February 5th is also our 10-year anniversary. It's going to be an amazing Sunday. We'd love to celebrate your baptism with you. The second next step is this. Remember the fresh start that Jesus offers each of us each and every day. Every day we get an opportunity for a fresh start. We've never had this day before. God, I wonder what you'll do in me and through me. We could just keep that in the forefront of our mind and remember that each and every day. I believe our outlook, how we interact with circumstances would be completely different. The third is receive prayer. Lots of ways you can do that. We have a prayer wall in the back. You write your prayer requests on a tag. You hang it up. You want everybody to see it. Make sure they can see it. If you just want that to be reserved for the prayer teams and the staff, make sure the writing's tucked towards the wall. You can write your prayer requests on this Connect card. You can email us at prayer at blueashcc.com. And, of course, you can come up and receive prayer live. We'll have a prayer team in the back. The one up here on my right be honored to pray for you in person. Just heard a story pre-huddle about somebody getting prayer on that on a particular Sunday and what God did in that moment imagine if 
they wouldn't have gotten prayer. They'd have missed out on that opportunity for God to do something in them. That's why we ask. Step across the line of fear. People aren't watching as much as you think. And even if they are, who cares? Because what God might want to do in you or through you in those moments are more important than what somebody might think. Come up and receive prayer. If you feel that prompting, don't ignore it. And then memory verse card. I don't know if we've mentioned that, but there's memory verse cards. Go with each series. You can grab one in the back as well. This is our memory verse for this series. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. That is a great memory verse. God, if you're not with me, I don't ever want to go. But he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Then go ahead and receive our offering. If you want to drop your connect cards and any offering you have, grab your communion elements that you would receive when you walked in. If you didn't, you can go back there and grab them. We do this most Sundays as a reminder of what Jesus has done for us, but it's also a reminder that Jesus is in us. So the wafer represents Jesus' body that was broken and the juice, Jesus' blood that was shed. You can take this at your own time. Let me pray. God, thanks for the stories that we read in Genesis. And even though some of us, many of us, me included, don't understand all of it, we understand you love us. We understand your mercies are new every morning. We understand that you, you sent us a sign as a rainbow. And in that covenant, you require nothing from us but just to say yes to you. And so God, I pray that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit, meet each and every one of us where we are. Maybe for those that don't know you as Lord and Savior yet, would you just whisper in their ear, would you, would you speak them in the way that's undeniable to them how much you love them? And for those of us that have been followers for maybe minutes or lots of years, remind us of your mercies. Remind us of your love. Remind us of your covenant. Remind us we've never had this day before. Help us to live it to our fullest. In Jesus' name, amen. Be free to sit or stand and receive prayer.